And so that's why I think it's important that this acronym be adapted into our mindset because we need to restore. We need to emancipate ourselves from the idea that we have to go along with the norm and the status quo. No, emancipate yourself from that. You deserve rest. Rest is your birthright. So stillness and time, you need to be still and be okay with that. And I know it is a narrative change and I know it can be hard, but I highly encourage that you begin the process now so that you don't live your life in a constant state of chronic stress and unrest because you don't know how to come down out of your days and you don't know how to come down out of really hard situations. Welcome to the Voices of Inclusion podcast, the place where you'll hear strategic and tactical advice shared by diversity, equity, and inclusion experts. This podcast is brought to you by Matheson.io, the world's first DEI operating system. If you're looking for DEI assessments, benchmarking tools, sourcing support, training, and more, look no further. Go to Matheson.io. The link to connect with us is in the description. Let's get back to the episode. All right, Shia. So I know you as an incredible speaker, um, an author, and an awesome DEI professional. But um, for the people that don't know you yet, could you let us know a little bit about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So I am Shia Thousand, and I am a stress and self-care consultant. And people pay me to teach them how to leverage self-care to prevent stress and overcome burnout in the corporate and in the academic space. And I'm also an author on top of that. So I'm also an author and I'm actually working on my first children's book this year. That's amazing. Um, And I love this topic and I think it has a lot to do with DEI, especially the belonging and wellness piece. So um, what's the key to to stress management, especially as we try to avoid burnout at work? I think that's one thing that everybody's trying to avoid. But um, one of my questions is, is it avoidable? So stress is not necessarily avoidable. Like we're going to encounter stress in every aspect of our life. The key is to figure out how to manage your stress so that it does not become so overwhelming. So to the point where it is detrimental and it's beating you down, like a case of the Mondays, right? That's something where people are not managing their time on the weekend or they're dreading going into the workplace on Monday. So they get a case of the Mondays. Well, I believe in occupational wellness and I think it's really important to see things from the eight dimensions of wellness. And that's what my work is based in as well as value alignment. So if you know what you value, then you can go into the workplace and navigate just a little bit differently. And Quiet quitting is not quiet quitting. Quiet quitting is actually having boundaries in the workplace. So if we can start off by having boundaries, we then set ourselves up for success in the long run, knowing that it's okay to say no in the workplace, knowing that it's okay to express support in the workplace and not be dinged or deemed negatively in the aspects of getting our work done because it has nothing to do with that if people just keep piling on work for you and if like all the layoffs and everything. So all these layoffs happening right now, And then whoever is still on the team, they have to pick up the work for the people who are no longer there. Well, that person's going to have to speak up and say, you know what? This is a lot on my plate. I'm not going to be able to handle all this. And that doesn't mean you can't do your job. So I think that's really the misconception. And around how we manage that stress, you ask for help and support in the workplace, but you also ask for help and support at home. If your mate isn't taking up or doing what they need to do, you ask for help and support. If family members aren't doing that, ask for support. It does not mean that you are not capable. It actually means you're actually very strong and you know how to advocate for yourself because you're not going to allow people to just pile things on you until you're at the brink of no return. 
Yeah, that's tough. Um, it can be tough for asking for help. Um, and I think a lot of times, sometimes you have to ask for rest as well. Um, and there's a couple different um, variations of what rest may be to people. Um, but you mentioned something that was really poignant last week. Um, what does the term rest really mean? Yeah, so my idea of rest is to restore, emancipate stillness and time. And I have a program called the Rest Revolution. And what that is, is it really speaks to the idea of the unrest of African-Americans in this country has always been a challenge. It has always been at war. We are never able to rest. If people see us resting, we are considered lazy. How many people growing up in their household, your parents had multiple jobs, everybody's busy. And if even if you sat down for a breath, people are like, what are you doing, you lazy kid? I'm West Indian and African. How many people remember um, Heyman and things like that? That was on TV growing up from In Living Color. And it's like, you lazy lima bean. You only have two jobs, you need six jobs. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> That is a conditioned learned behavior. And it really goes as far back as the Willie Lynch letters and the idea behind the rest of African-Americans when you're trying to create a slave is not a good thing because they did not want us to rest. And so how does that look today? In 2020, after the George Floyd um, murder, and then we got into the protests. I don't know if many cities um, that you guys live in, but my city was impacted. I'm from New Brooklyn, New York. And what was happening is that a lot of um, people were seeing all of a sudden there was an uptick in all of these fireworks happening all throughout the city, throughout the entire summer. There's not a celebration going on. So this is not July 4th. This is not Labor Day. This is like J July 1st. This is like August 1st. And there's an uptick in fireworks. Well, the uptick in fireworks were happening from 10 until about 3 a.m. every night. And that's prime sleep time. So when you're thinking about the unrest, you're thinking about, well, what neighborhoods were those happening in? They were happening in urban communities. And when they started digging into it, people started saying, you know, journalists doing their investigation, uh, actually police are selling the fireworks to kids in the neighborhood, telling them what time to put them off on. And then police were coming back in the neighborhoods and also doing the same thing. Well, if you notice at this time, there was also a defund the police initiative. So there's no coincidence that people are outside rioting. They don't want you to have rest if you're gonna be outside riding for change. So what they're gonna do, they're gonna impact your rest by doing these fireworks so that no one can sleep. And these fireworks were incessant. It was all over TV. It was all over every major city. So LA, Chicago, New York, Miami, Atlanta, there were major cities in which these things were happening. And it was so ridiculous that people were calling the police and the police were saying, oh, we don't know what's happening. And so there was an uptick in police phone calls, an uptick in journalism digging into this. So rest has always been a state of um, contention for African-Americans. And so that's why I think it's important that this acronym be adapted into our mindset because we need to restore. We need to emancipate ourselves from the idea that we have to go along with the norm and the status quo. No, emancipate yourself from that. You deserve rest. Rest is your birthright. So stillness and time, you need to be still and be okay with that. And I know it is a narrative change and I know it can be hard, but I highly encourage that you begin the process now so that you don't live your life in a constant state of chronic stress and unrest because you don't know how to come down out of your days and you don't know how to come down out of really hard situations. So you have to complete the stress cycle as well 
but I encourage everyone to learn how to rest, <laughs> restore, emancipate stillness and time. Give yourself time. Don't think that you have to be doing something all the time. Skip a beat, take a seat, watch a good show. Best man we were just talking about, you people we were just talking about, and don't feel guilty. Like change the narrative that this is actually productive and good for my creative and my mental and emotional health. Especially because of the layoffs right now, people may be on edge, you know, it might feel like they feel like they have to do every single thing that's asked of them. Um, and that could be a distraction, especially if you um, are just you know, battling burnout right now. But uh, when you're trying to establish uh, boundaries and not take on everything that the world throws at, throws at you, I guess the world is your job at this point. But uh, when you're trying to establish healthy boundaries at work, how do you do that in a way that's not off-putting? So I think when it comes to establishing healthy boundaries at work, a couple of things you want to consider. First, look at your values. Does your role align with your values and who you say you are as your person? Because I think that's a big disconnect. A lot of us are in roles that do not align with who we are, with who we say we are, right? So there's always going to be something there. There's always going to feel like, eh, this doesn't feel right. You're always going to get a case of the Mondays because you don't really want to be there. So evaluate that first. And then once you evaluate that, then I want you to look at like who on your team, understand and know who the people on your team are, right? So do you have a supportive manager? Do you have a supportive coworker? I think everyone should have like a work bestie that you can just talk and you're smack to because that helps as well with camaraderie. It helps you vent and get the things off your chest. And then you guys can also brainstorm. Are you solution oriented? Are you victim minded? Be mindful of also the narrative that you're creating in your head. And then if you do work in an environment that is semi-supportive, Take it to your leader and honestly go to your leader with like a list of things, but also go to your leader with a list of solutions. Like, this is what I need. I would love it if I could work remotely for two days out the week. It's actually causing me some sort of stress getting here on days when I need to be here. And if I could alleviate some of that stress between childcare, whatever the case may be, open up. And if it's an environment that you don't feel safe enough to have that conversation in, I would encourage you start building the bridges now between HR, between your leadership, between supervisors, and finding out what your EAP options are. And this is your employee assistant program options. Does your company offer support around childcare? Does your company offer support around therapy? Tap into those resources and then build a wellness plan for yourself. And as you're doing that, then you can take some information to your leader and propose a plan for your leader to support you. But if you don't know what you want and you don't know what you value, it's very hard to have a conversation on managing your stress, what's important to you, and explaining that and having the actual verbiage and language around it. And I think that's what therapy is really good for. It gives us language to our feelings. I also highly recommend the feelings wheel. If you've never heard of it, Google the feelings wheel or the emotional wheel. And it literally is a wheel. It's, co it's color, um, colorized categories, whatever. And what's on there is if you say that you are frustrated, it actually breaks out what that means in other areas. So are you frustrated by this? Or are you angry because of this? Are you sad because of this? It actually gives you other language. And it's really helpful when you're trying to articulate something to, especially a leader, without being emotional. Because when we begin to get in our emotions at work, people shut down, they stop listening. So how do you convey how you're feeling without the emotion coming out before you actually are able to articulate what's going on? 
Wow, I feel like we're working through a lot right now. Um, you know, the last, <laughs> well, the last uh, you, you mentioned um, the Willie Lynch letters um, a little bit ago. And I feel like many of us are still feeling the effects of that. But um, where do you feel like, what do you feel like those effects are showing up the most when it comes to um, the workplace? Everyday life, like honestly, it's not yeah. just the workplace, everyday life. A part of the Willie Lynch letters yeah. speaks about creating an environment where the African-American woman feels that she has to protect her sons by treating, teaching them how to grow up in a way that they become non-threatening so that they don't then lose their lives. So in the letters, he actually breaks down how do you break down this man and how do you break down this people and how you break down this man and his people is to abuse this man in front of this woman so that then she begins to do the work of the master for the master by raising her sons to be compliant, to be obedient. So how does that show up? Well, that shows up in professionalism in the workplace. What does that look like? There's no real idea of professionalism. That's a standard created by a people that do not look like us to say that we are now unprofessional. So if we go in the workplace and we're our full authentic selves, I'm very jovial. And it's so funny because I just got this word for it as being jovial. I call it bippity boppity, but I'm like bippity boppity all the time. And that puts people off sometimes because when you're confident and you are also positive, people don't know how to deal with that. So they feel like they kind of got to knock you down, especially in the workplace. And sometimes they look like us, right? So then you got to be mindful, all kinfolk and skinfolk. So you got the house, you got the outside. Them house ones be in the workplace acting like house ones. And you're like, what are we doing? Like, why are you working against the process here? And why are we not able to have great conversation and camaraderie, understanding the dynamics we each go through. So I think that it shows up and I think in the biggest way it shows up is the idea of professionalism in the workplace and that it can only be one of us at the top. How many of y'all are in environments where if there is one person of color at the top, you know that person has to die or leave before they're about to promote somebody else into that space or that person also is not reaching back and pulling people up. So that person does not offer any mentorship, sponsorship, or any support to get others in the space. And that's why we need to be building our own tables. Like, ain't nobody trying to sit at y'all tables. I'm good. I'm out here building a table. We good on that. That's beautiful. And, you know, in reference to the, the person that could be a mentor that literally chooses to not be, I feel like sometimes they were they feel as though they were bur burned in the past or they're just like, hey, I've worked hard to get here. Um, I don't want to take a risk on associating myself with those people, you know, or someone else, you know. Um, is there any uh, validity to that point? What are your thoughts there? I think you have to deal with everyone as individuals. Yes, people mm -hmm. have been burned in the past, but I honestly believe it's more than them being burned. I really believe that it's they don't want to be associated, right? Perfect example. Do you watch Insecure? Absolutely. Okay, so when Molly had the, she had the opportunity to mentor the young lady, the other black girl who was loud and jovial and everything. Molly was like, um, no, I don't think you want to look like that in the workplace. Molly was indoctrinated to be professional. So right. she was trying to indoctrinate someone else to be professional. And that girl was like, no, not when I was rated top of my class. Not when I'm the editor of the paper. Like she read her, her resume and she made it clear that who she was and her fullness of herself and authentic self did not determine how she was going to move in this life 
to be professional in the workplace. She was going to come and be herself. And she had a following. Everybody wanted to talk to old girl. Molly was walking past <laughs> like, what's up with, like, and she was never invited to the conversation. And it's interesting because that only showed up in Molly's life when she was in the black firm. When Molly was at the white firm, that didn't come in her life at all, except through this young lady. But at the black firm, it was like, okay. And they looking at Molly, like Molly was too professional in the black firm. At the white firm, yeah. Molly was isolated. Right. That is very interesting. Um, and I feel like I've I've experienced this a little bit too, you know, when it comes to um, professional environments and similar to what you just mentioned um, on the, that episode of Insecure, sometimes we feel as though we have to shrink ourselves in order to feel accepted um, because sometimes people will say, hey, um, who do you think you are? Uh, you you know, you're, you're too good and things like that. Um, but why do you think that is and how can folks overcome that challenge? I think we live at a level of mediocrity. So yeah. when we live at a level of mediocrity and you come in operating in black excellence, it intimidates people, especially when studies show that men are 30% qualified for a role and will apply for it. Women can be 70 to 100% qualified and will not apply. So the workplace dynamics are just set up to be that way. And so it's like, this is why you have to know what you value. And it can't be just, it's interesting because I, I keep saying this a lot lately, but think of yourself as a house. Think of yourself as me, Inc. How you, the same way the company you're applying for has their mission statement and their values, put that on yourself. You don't accept low offers because you're a house and it would be rude to put a low offer in to you. So when you're applying for these jobs, you're not just taking what they're giving you. No, we're negotiating, we're advocating, we're using our voice. And we're making sure that when we're in the rooms, we're taking up space. We're not just holding space, but we're taking up space. And I think that it's really important that we understand what we value and what our missions are. Because then when we're looking at organizations and we start speaking to people, like honestly, when we're in the interview process, we need to do a better job of interviewing the organization and not just being so grateful and happy to be here and take whatever they give us. Nah, son, we're not doing that no more. Them days is over. Like I'm interviewing y'all and I want to talk to the person who had the job before me. Like, why did they leave? And usually when you talk to the person who had the job before you, if they were not promoted, they'd be like, it's a whole mess. Like girl run, don't even, don't do it. Don't do it. Like I literally have had, I do contract work outside of my speaking and I love recruiting and I love the dynamics of putting people in positions to um, just change the trajectory of their life. So that's why I still do it. And it's contract. And I had a role and this young lady was training me on it and she was leaving. And I'm like, but why are you leaving? And she was like, you know, family stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Man, after she left, I like pinged her like, girl, are you coming back? Like, what was the real reason? And she was like, no, it was a lot. I was like, see, like, why we just, well, I need you to be honest because I need to know what I'm getting into. But if it seems too good to be true, a lot of the time it is. And if you don't know what you value, you also will get pigeonholed into the idea that I need this job because you are living a life that's beyond your means. And now you feel trapped by the work you do. And anybody got time for that either. You mentioned uh, taking space and holding space. And uh, you have an awesome book called Holding Space for Self. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Let's so go. 
Holding Space for Self, it includes 25 plus tips to creating a weekly self-care routine. And I created this book because I thought it was important to help people jumpstart their self-care routine. I started my wellness journey working with maternal wellness. And what I noticed is that people just don't know where to start. And also everyone's idea of self-care looks very different. And self-care is way more than bubble baths and lighting candles. That can be a part of your process, but self-care is not to be superficial. It is not to be a band-aid to your wellness. Self-care looks like shutting things down and sitting still and being quiet. Self-care looks like going to therapy. Self-care looks like hanging with your homegirls and your boys to just feel connected to people. And that's a loving environment. And when we're in these workplaces, a lot of times we are not receiving that. And then we spend more time in those places than we do with our loved ones so that we need to be poured back into. And as I have a quote behind me and it says, you are not the work you do, but you are the person you are. And it's a Toni Morrison quote. And I think it's really important that we keep that in mind when we think about holding space for self and taking up space because so often we identify ourselves by the work we do when we should be identifying ourselves by our characters and how we are holding space in this world for ourselves and for others. So my book really helps you look at how you're spending your time and are you spending time doing the things that are important to you or are you scrolling are you doing a lot of work or are you just like vegging out because you could be on the verge of depression and don't even know it and studies have shown that black women have been misdiagnosed specifically around depression because we are still trying to be out here and be super and we're thinking that we're falling short in life and that's not really what it is we are clinically depressed a lot of us but we're not getting diagnosed because we think we're just falling short in life because life has taught us and family members have taught us and history has taught us we just keep going we keep being strong and this book is really going to help you jumpstart your self-care routine and also look at how you're setting boundaries i give you tips on how to set boundaries i give you tips on how to self-care and then i also have you make a commitment it's not enough to make commitments to other people we need to make more commitments to ourselves and honor our word to ourselves so that we don't become liars to ourselves and tell the truth to everyone else so in here i have you make a commitment i'm gonna honor my self-care routine it may be messy i may mess up at times but i'm gonna get back up and i'm gonna do it because it is very important self-care can actually unlock the door to personal fulfillment if done correctly but if not done correctly, it becomes a silo. It becomes a band-aid for living the life that you actually want, but you don't either feel you have permission or the courage to go after. That's beautiful. Um, it always makes me feel a little um, awkward when it comes to self-care because I'm like, okay, is this enough? Is this the right thing? <laughs> you know, what is what is this? Um, are there a couple of uh, tactics that you would highly recommend, I guess, like, um, one or two that you would like to share with the audience? Absolutely. So I think one, only you can determine it's enough. There's no cookie cutter version of self-care. So when we see, and we've talked about this, like this whole soft life thing, like I want to throw that in the trash. And I say that because when you are designing and creating a life, you have to determine what that looks like for you. There are some people who truly enjoy their work so much, they would be considered workaholics, but for them, it is not a chore. It's truly what they feel and they love. So they just have to create and prioritize themselves and balances looks different for everybody. So I don't want you guys to be out here trying to create this cookie cutter version of self-care. The myth is that it has to be expensive and that it has to be time consuming. It does not have to be either. It can literally be, for me, I'm very organized. So right next to me right now, I have this little chart that I got from Target. 
Like this is organizing my day. So what I need to do each day of the week, I write different things down. But what does that look like for you? And you have to determine that for yourself. One thing I would highly recommend is looking up the eight dimensions of wellness. Doing laundry can be a form of self-care. And it's funny because I said this on one of my podcasts and someone wrote me on Twitter and was like, you just blew my mind with that. Like doing laundry is something I've run from. Well, that ain't your ministry. That's not self-care for you. I don't like doing laundry either. I will do it, but I don't want to fold it. That's not my ministry. So for me, that ain't self-care. For me, self-care is sitting with my dog and cuddling with my dog. When I have a hard day, my dog's actually in the office with me right now, but sometimes he's in my living room. When I have a hard day, I just roll up on my dog and just act like I'm tackling him, hugging him and stuff like that, kiss on him. Because for me, that's self-care. That's important. For me, I'm making, I'm doing a garden right now, going out and spending time in my garden, even if it's just watering it and seeing how it's flourishing right now. I don't even have to go in here and prune or do anything. But for me, that's self-care. You have to determine what that looks like for you. I just spent some time doing some personal development stuff this weekend at a conference. That is self-care for me because if I'm working on my personal development, that helps me evolve as a human being. That is a form of self-care, but that's for me. That may not be for you. So you got to determine what that looks like for you. I love spending time with my friends and family, like love. And my family literally has just been visiting me a lot lately and they're trying to move into my neighborhood. And somebody was like, oh my gosh, your family's trying to move into your neighborhood. I'm not even mad about it. I love spending time with them so much. I want them to be in the neighborhood. It would make it so much easier. I live in a city where I'm by myself most of the time and my family lives in a completely different city. So for them to be in the same city neighborhood with me and I can walk down the block, I love that. And I think that we need to spend more time on those types of connections because those are the things that are gonna matter in the long run. No one tells you, and I think sometimes people try to tell you when you're young, like it's gonna shift, it's gonna shift. No, like it really does. And when you don't spend time with those you love and they pass or something happens, you're like, damn, I've been chasing all this selfish ambition, trying to get this promotion at work and they keep promoting these Beckys and I know I'm qualified. So it's like, how do you navigate that? It can be, it can wear on your soul. Don't let it wear on your soul. Like create opportunities for yourself. I think that's like one thing I can, I cannot stress enough. A part of self-care is that advocating for yourself and building relationships and nurturing those relationships. Financial, like honestly, creating a budget is a form of self-care. How many people are stressed when they ain't got no money? I know I am. So when your finances are better, you feel that light weight of like knowing, okay, I got money in the bank. I know what I got to do with this money. And if it's now like, okay, well, I need more money, put a plan together and start applying for jobs. But that will help your emotional and mental wellness. And I can't stress by how much, but honestly, look up the eight dimensions of wellness. It is game changing. If you just create activities that fall within those buckets, it'll revolutionize your life. I have something called the SPC framework. And I know, I think I don't want to jump ahead, but is it okay if I go into that? Yeah, please. Okay. So my SPC framework is spiritual, physical, and creative outlets. And I call it a pyramid. And once you have the pyramid up, when you put all the lines down of a pyramid, it's a straight line. That's balance, right? So everyone's seeking this balance and we're all trying to go for balance, but balance looks different to all of us. So I encourage you to prioritize, not necessarily seek balance. So for me, 
my S is always at the bottom of my um, pyramid. And P is usually at the bottom of the pyramid and creative is usually at the top. Well, S, because that's my spiritual. I am anchored in my faith. I'm a Christian. I'm a woman of God. I'm a daughter of the King. And I am anchored in that. I spend time with God every morning before I deal with man. Because if I don't spend time with God, trust me, I'm a different person when I deal with man. I ain't that nice. I ain't that jovial. So that bippity boppity, it'd be real low if I don't spend my time with God. And then physical, I walk my dog every morning. That's how I, before I start work, I walk my dog. In the evening, before I come out of my day, I walk my dog in the evening. That's how my body knows that that's the beginning and end of my day. I cap my day that way. I have boundaries in my work. So I tell people, I don't have no email on my phone. Do not contact me on the weekends. And it's interesting because I also don't do podcasts and things like that on the weekend. People say, oh, Saturday, Sunday. People always want to do Twitter rooms and um, all these spaces on the weekend. Nah, son, I'm not doing that. I don't do anything more than two things per weekend day. I don't get overwhelmed on the weekend. I don't get a case of the Mondays and I don't overcommit. And I encourage other people to do the same because sometimes we feel indebted to people. So we say yes. No, I say yes to myself. So I can say no to others and know that I can stand in that no and then not be a problem because it's a full sentence because I know what I'm saying yes to myself for. So then C is creative outlets. So I make candles. I put together care boxes for other people. I love when people ask me for gifts. I'm very, a very thoughtful gift giver. So that's my creative outlet. And I think it's important that we all have something creative we do. I encourage adults to color. You have no idea how the things that you did as a child just to like pass the time actually can and help your mental health as an adult, especially if you were a child that was told that that you weren't going to make money from that, but you loved it. I love drawing as a kid. And I was always told you're not going to make any money for that. I actually won awards for drawing as a kid, but I wasn't going to make any money for it. As an adult, I doodle, I color. Those things make me so happy. And it just feels like a lightness to me. Things are coming off of me because it allows me to change and shift gears in my head to just sit there and just zone out. And I think we all need that space to do that. So SPC, your spiritual, physical, and creative outlets. That framework, spend 20 minutes a day in each of those areas, which is just 60 minutes. So I call it the power of three. That's just 60 minutes. And you're going to recognize a shift in your attitude, your demeanor, and just the trajectory of your life. Um, there was something that you mentioned a moment ago. And while you were speaking, I thought maybe is, is self-care uh, and self-actualization really aligned? It seems as though they are. Yeah. What are your thoughts? If you don't know who you are, you don't know how to care for yourself. So you right. have to figure out who you are and what that means to you. I always tell people define success and define stress for themselves. Because if you just go with what the world says is success and what stress is, that may not apply to you. Like my idea of success is no longer climbing a corporate ladder. It literally is not a motivation for me at all. Like there's no amount of money certain people can give me to work with them. Not a, not a motivator. So when you know what it is for you, then you can navigate life just differently. So you have to come to know who you are first, then you can know what self-care looks like for you. And completing the stress cycle and all those things, that can only happen if you know what you care about, you know what you value, and you know what your mission is. Um, this is a bit of an aside, but what kind of dog do you have? <laughs> He's a pit bull boxer. Best $40 I ever spent. He's a rescue. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Yeah, we have a rescue too. She might bark in just a second. Um, <laughs> I totally believe in that. Um, that's so much good information. Really appreciate that, uh, Shia. Um, and I know that you mentioned that you don't believe in filling the gaps 
Um, could you talk a little bit about that or what do you mean by that? So I think that we should seal them. Like this is not something I think we should revisiting later. Cause sometimes people fill in the gaps to fill time or whatever the case may be. No, like if we're going to do it, let's do it right from the beginning. Seal that, figure out and dig into, and this goes back to the self-accusation piece. Figure out what it is. Why is there a gap there? What's missing in my life? What needs to take place? And I think self-reflection has to become a regular part of your daily activities, especially right now we're in the new year, the beginning of the new year. It has to be self-inventory. I tell people to take an inventory regularly. If you're not taking an inventory on a weekly, daily, monthly basis, you're probably missing something. And there are some gaps in your life that are not getting addressed or they're not getting sealed. And I think that when we allow things to continue without evaluating them, the gaps get bigger, right? So then now it becomes something that you must deal with and you're freaking out, you're stressed out. And you're like, oh my gosh, if I had just dealt with this in the beginning when it was like this and I could have sealed it, then I wouldn't be dealing with this right now. And this is why I think sealing it versus filling it is important because sometimes you can fill stuff. Like you're like, oh, I got time today. Let me fill it with something to do. People are like, oh, I ain't got nothing to do. Let me fill it. Like, no, let's operate in a spirit of excellence. What do I need to do that can help me in the long run? Something that my life will thank me for tomorrow today. Like, let's work on that piece of it. Don't just try and fill the gap and fill up time with unnecessary stuff. Right now, I literally just put social media back on my phone yesterday. And that's because I was at a conference and they had us doing all this stuff on social media. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this. But I need to put it back on my phone for my business as well. But yet and still, I'm not even on it. And every night at 10 o'clock, I use the apps. Like, honestly, utilize your phone too to help you to get to a place where you're doing inventory. Put notes in your um, calendar. I have scripture in my calendar that comes up. Put a note in your calendar. What do you want this morning? What do you want out of today? Put that in your calendar so when it comes up and that, that'd be like a nine o'clock reminder. So you can get your wheels turning to figure out, okay, inventory, what do I want out of today? How am I setting the tone for this day? And how am I gonna go after it and get it? Because sometimes it may be a season of just sitting back and then sometimes it may be a season that you gotta move but you got to know what season you're in. So I think it's really important that we not just fill the gaps, we seal them and seal them early. When you recognize it, address it. Don't allow it to linger. And so uh, what do you think is one of the most uh, prevalent issues that professionals are facing today? I know you see a lot of people that are trying to figure out what to do to gain more clarity in life and things like that. But um, what's the biggest challenge you're seeing? I think personally what i'm seeing is that people are chasing things they don't even want they're chasing it because like society says you should have it or culture in your corporate environment says you should want these things like so chasing promotions when i used to work um regular job i used to work for a major tech company and i did not apply for a promotion i was the most qualified person in my office and my boss was so mad at me and she's like why didn't you apply for that and i said because i don't want that to be my legacy I see what that promotion would entail. And I also see that that area in line of business was not well thought out. So they were constantly chasing things. They were constantly stressed out. They were working on weekends. Nah, I don't want that to be my legacy. Cause then when I leave here, y'all gonna say, oh, well she did that. Yeah, it wasn't her best work. And at this point I'm getting recognized for my best work and operating in a spirit of excellence. So I think people are going after things because culture tells them to go after them and not even things they really want. And this is where the inventory comes in, right? Because if you look at your inventory and you self-reflecting like, do I want this? Do I really want this promotion? And you gotta understand why you're in spaces. I have a girlfriend who's older and she works at a job 
And I always tell her, I'm like, why are you here? Because they want to promote her. And I'm like, remember why you're here. And she's like, you're right. I'm here for this. So I don't need to get promoted because I'm not here to go chase that rabbit. I'm that carrot that they keep dangling in front of me. I'm here for this other thing. And I always tell her, keep that top of mind. So when they try and throw it at you, you remember your why. Remember why you're there. If you're not there to be promoted, then don't get promoted, but don't feel like you have to, and you can take on other things without being promoted and still get recognized, still get the accolades, but you may not be a manager. People work in hourly environments where they have access to overtime. They go to management, you lose your access to overtime, but everyone's like, managers do better. Well, managers in some environments can't be in unions. Managers don't get overtime. So you gotta look at your why, like, I make more money by being hourly than if I would as a manager and I ain't got to manage nobody. I'm not signing up for that. There we go. There goes that. So it's like, you got to understand your why. And I think right now, too many people are chasing promotions. Even right now, perfect example, Google laid off what, 18,000 people? How many people that they lay off that recently got promoted? I saw so many LinkedIn posts from people like, oh, I just got this new job within like the last three to six months. And it may seem good in the moment, but look at what's happening. Like they've been saying we're in a recession for a minute. So it's almost like we got to be mindful and work smarter, not harder, and not just go after that promotion. But maybe my industry is about to slow down. And if I'm the last person in on this promotion, am I also going to be the first person out if they do layoffs? Think about it. And that's not something we're always thinking about. Gosh, so true. Um, Well, Shia... I know that a lot of people uh, may want to get in touch with you at some point. Um, how would they do that? Absolutely. Uh, definitely follow me on LinkedIn at C-H-E-Y-A-T-H-O-U-S-A-N-D. So my last name really is Thousand. So if you put in <laughs> on LinkedIn, you'll probably find me. I'll come up. And also um, visit my website, shyathousand.com. And if you are in need of any free resources, you can find them on my website. Just do shyathousand.com slash hello. There are free resources there. There's access to articles that I've written about stress and burnout and overcoming them. I'm really making sure that you're protecting your own mental health and well-being. I thank you so much for having me today. Of course. Thank you, Shia. Um, And if there was one action uh, you would urge DEI leaders to uh, do after they they listen to this, what would that uh, action be? Find out your why. Like, it's not enough to create events within your workspace just because they are timely. Find out your why and if the work you're really doing is supporting the community you say you want to support because I think what gets lost is we're about to be in February. And so the why or the action is like, well, I got to do Black History Month events. But how does that really support the community of African-Americans that you say that you're trying to support? Or are you just putting together educational seminars to educate the greater part of your organization and not the DEI group you say that you're supporting? So find out your why and then truly go to support that organization or that why at like full force, be relentless about supporting it so that when you wake up every day, you're not feeling like you're just doing work for the sake of doing work, but you are understanding the impact behind the work you're doing. Shia Thousand, Um, we can't end it any better than that. Thank you so much, Shia. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. If you're looking for DEI assessments, benchmarking tools, sourcing support, training, and more, look no further. 
go to www.matheson.io and book a call to speak with us. The link is in the description. We're looking forward to connecting with you next time.